Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Shirley Bassey to my Amin Bassey. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? Yeah, very good. Bit battered and bruised from this morning, but we, we won't go into it because no one no one wants to hear about my CrossFit uh, exploits. So, but yeah, no, we all really, good. really don't. <laughs> I've been badgering you about that all day. On the show this week, we've got Dan Weldon from the Peterborough Podcast, The Yellow Block. Dan, how are you? Um, from a personal point of view, I'm really good. From a football point of view, let's not talk about it. <laughs> it's a good thing we've got you on the show then. Also with us from the Blackburn Podcast, Rovers Chat is Ryan Hildred. Ryan, are you well? I'm very well, thank you. From a footballing point of view, a little bit better as well. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm also good. It's interesting because when I got you both on, obviously Blackburn have been you know, struggling recently. I was thinking it would be a Peterborough fan talking about a win and a Blackburn fan talking about a loss and it's ended up being the wrong way around. But uh, we'll get onto that very shortly because this is the number one championship specific podcast, the second tier. Welcome along. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to go through all the games in the second tier this past weekend, talk about some of the news from the past few days and then we'll finish off with Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. We'll begin things with Grant McCann's first game back as Peterborough boss. It was against familiar foes for him in Hull, although it wasn't a happy reunion as Posh were thumped 3-0. Dan, how was the game? I'm guessing it wasn't great. Yeah, appalling. Um, I mean, even if you just look at it on paper, I think we had the majority of possession, but we only had one shot on target and we just let Hull bully us on the counter. Um, it's, it's a shock for us, I think, even you know with McCann having come back. So, you know, obviously, we were hoping that he'd know a bit about the whole team. And for some reason, I, mean, I don't know what he was doing when he was manager, because Jesus Christ, he didn't know them at all, did he? Um, and yeah, you know, our performances have been really good recently. You know, we held Fulham pretty well. Um, and then, yeah, just get decimated by a mid-table team. So, Yeah, a team that's not won in six games as well. It's a well, very strange one. Answer. Yeah, great. No, <laughs> sorry to make you even more miserable. <laughs> uh, King Lewis Potter scored twice, including a beautiful strike from 25 yards out. He's some player into Justin. And it's no surprise that I've seen reports Premier League clubs are sniffing around him. Yeah, I think Leicester had a bid rejected for him last season um, or this season. So it, it's clear he's got talent and his, his, his link up with Brandon Fleming as well is, 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 is flourishing over the last five or six weeks. And he's a, he's a player who I think if he has another season in the Championship, probably could easily hit double-figure goals and assists. He's, he's, such a, he's such a threat. And you've got to bear in mind as well, under Grant McCann, he was playing left wing back as well. And he was still as dangerous as he is playing left wing. So he is quite a talent and I'm really look, looking forward to seeing how he develops over the next year or two. Definitely. Dan, what did you make of Grant McCann's appointment in the week? We were saying that we think it's with a mind towards being in League One again next season. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it has to be. I think if we were going to give anything a real go this year, um, we'd go in for the likes of, of Warnock. Um, and, you know, we, we've not done that. So I, I would have preferred someone hungry from League Two. Um, his name escapes me now, but the, the Forest Green manager is doing really, really well with a really tight budget. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't have minded that, but we've gone with the old familiar, which, you know, any Peterborough fan will tell you. It's no big shock. Um, he's got experience coming out of League One, so that's that's something to take. But I, I want to see some fight, at least in the Championship. And, you know, having been overtaken by a team that started the season with minus 21 points, um, the fight's not there at the moment. So, Speaking of the fight, do you have any hope of staying up or do you think that's Peterborough done and dusted now? 
football's a funny old game. There's always hope, isn't there? Um, I, I think realistically, it's too far gone now. I think what we're, you know, Barnsley are picking up points. Reading are magically picking up points as well now. So I think we're eight or nine points away, um, which, you know, given our performances, we've not won since December. Um, one point since then as well. Uh, you know, it, it's relatively impossible, I think, for us to get anything. Um, so I'd take a win if we didn't finish last. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because when we've criticised Peterborough across the course of the season, Peterborough fans have been saying, you've got to remember, they haven't got the biggest budget in the world. But at the same time, you can just point at Luton, for example, who don't have a big budget at all and look where they are. Do, do you think um, that is the case that Peterborough should be doing better, even though obviously the, the finances aren't particularly there compared to other clubs? I think it's people making excuses and our management of making excuses as well. You, you know, we were begging for experienced championship players in January to sort of steady the ship. Um, and our owners came out and said, there's no experienced players available. And then Luton go and sign Robert Snodgrass on a free. So look, I know we're not a big club. Our gates are third lowest in the league. And I would just like to point out that one of the teams below us is Bournemouth you know, former Premier League side. So, you know, I, I don't really know where the excuses have come from. Yeah, we've got a small budget, but just use it better. And we are a team that has bought low and sold high. I mean, look at the Ivan Tony deal. We got a lot for that. And, you know, bar a little bit of investment into our youth team and two signings last year, I'm not overly sure where that's gone this year. Um, So, you know, I, I think... COVID's got to be brought into the fray a little bit. You know, obviously that's had a much bigger effect on our club than previously thought and has been told to us. Um, so, yeah, I I just want a bit of openness from the management team, really, because, um, you, you know, we get a lot for our players, rightfully so, I think, and it's just not being used. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Blackburn, they got the first win in six after beating QPR 1-0. And I imagine for you, Ryan, that was a big, big relief. Massive relief. Uh, it's been a tough little spell for us, hasn't it? Um, no goals in five games before that. And, you know, that run that we went on in November and December, you know, a distant memory to a lot of Rovers fans. And, yeah, it was a great win. Uh, actually, it was very comfortable for us. Uh, we were very dominant, missed some chances in the first half, and it shouldn't have been a, as nervy as it was. And to get the goal in the way that we did, 15 minutes from time, um, was just pure relief and an important result as well. You know, clubs are queuing up outside of the top six now. So that healthy gap that we did have has all but evaporated now. So vitally important win for us. And, and to do it against a top six rival, obviously even more important. Yeah, definitely. Raider Kadra's free kick was brilliant, wasn't it? David Marshall made a bit of hash of it, but still a good free kick. Blackburn had gone seven hours without a goal prior to that free kick. And putting away chances has been a problem, hasn't it? And that was particularly evident in this game, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been a real problem. Obviously, early on in the season, we were really riding the magic, which was obviously the Ben Brereton-Diaz story uh, that seemed to just galvanise the attack. And you know, after the Fulham game, you know, we went to this wing-back formation and I think we moved into a side that, uh, the Fulham 7-0 game, I should say, we moved into a side that just didn't want to concede and didn't want to lose rather than one that was scoring goals. And before Christmas and when we were in that run, we were the right side of the fine margins. You know, we were winning games one or two nil and probably taking the, the two or three chances that we were having in games. The other side of Christmas, it's it's just been different fine margins, you know. 
I can look at John Buckley missing, you know, a, a gilt edge chance uh, away at Swansea. At home to Forest, he did the same. Red Akadra missed a penalty against Sheffield United in midweek. He also missed chances in this game. So when you're not creating chances like we have been, you've got to be clinical and, and got to come the right side of the fine margins. And, you know, ultimately that's what we did against QPR. Um, but it's been difficult. Um, Diaz is obviously injured now for a a couple of months. So other players are going to have to step up. You know, Reda Kadra has got to start scoring. Sam Gallagher has got to start scoring because I would suggest that this attacking output is not sustainable and, and not conducive to us getting the top six. Yeah. What are you thinking for the remainder of the season then, Ryan? I'm, I'm assuming you think top two is unlikely now. What are you rating your top six chances like? Um, I think the fans always regarded this January-February spell as as a tough one with the sides that we've been coming up against. You know, we're playing some form sides in the division. You know, we've played Luton, we've played Sheffield United, we've played Middlesbrough, we've played Forest. You know, these are all form sides in the division. So we always knew that this spell was going to be tough. So I think fans have been looking at this March-April period where after Fulham on Saturday, we've got three home games in a row. We've got Peterborough away, for example, with the greatest respect to Peterborough. We've got Reading away. So we've got away games that feel like we can get results as well. So I think ultimately the fans feel like we're going to do it. There's 12 games left to go. You know, six wins, two draws gets us to 77 points, which feels like that's achievable for playoffs. So the fans are confident, um, but obviously it's just been a little bit of a wobble and you know, pure relief, obviously, in the game against QPR yesterday. And we can go to Fulham now, be confident, hit those three home games and then see how we come out of that. You know, 10 points would be brilliant, I think, out of the next four. Speaking of promotion, one win in six now for QPR just in there. Certainly in a bit of a sticky patch of their own, aren't they? It is. And I think it's the manner of the, the run of form as well. Um, and even when they were picking up wins, they were still they were still fa uh, fairly open to to opposition creating chances against them. You look at this one, uh, this Blackburn game, for example. Senna Dieng was very busy until he went off, and then David Marshall was very busy when when he came on. Um, and it, it's hard to put your finger on exactly as to why that's happening. But you've got to you've got to lament that the control in a game can QPR control a game? Can they? Um, impose their style um, more so than the opposition and at the moment they're not you've got to question shape and 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 yeah performances uh, they're just not being good enough as collective um, from everybody in the team and that's why they're conceding as many chances as they are and law of averages one of those chances can get converted at some point and lo and behold it was probably one that shouldn't have gone in in terms of the free kick but nonetheless it did and QPR didn't have an answer to it no Ryan and Dan Thank you for now. We'll come back to you both later to play Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. In the meantime, me and Justin are going for a wander around the grounds and we'll kick things off with Barnsley, who have won again. This time, it was a 3-2 victory at home to Middlesbrough. Carlo van der Watering is from the Barnsley podcast Red Report. Carlo, what's going on? Where has this form come from? Yeah, I think even the Barnsley fans are, uh, are surprised by our re recent sort of upturn in results. I think there's a couple of um, factors there. First of all, yesterday, for the first time this season, he named an unchanged starting eleven, And I think that's key because I think he's found uh, the players that he feels, um, you know, can get the job done. And, you know, the two lone players, uh, Queena, Bassey, uh, very much unheard of both. And... You know, we've been struggling in midfield all season and, and these two, um, and I, I don't know what it is, but uh, they're both young players, but especially the first half, we won every second ball. They drove us forward from midfield and, you know, uh, allow people to get in goal score, to create goal scoring opportunities. So it, it's really strange. It took him a long time to find his best starting eleven, but he has now. 
And first hole, um, obviously yesterday, a good win against Borough. Uh, let's hope for the same next week. Yeah, just talking about Bassey, I'm the same as you. I didn't know much about him prior to him joining Barnsley, but he has looked a real player recently, hasn't he? Yeah, obviously he's, he's one from the uh, the old spreadsheet again where uh, all, all the data matched up with Barnsley's requirement. Very much unheard of, on loan from Mets. But I think what he's done is he's really grasped the opportunity. Obviously, he was he was thrown in the moment he, he arrived at Barnsley. And he, he plays with almost no fear. And I think what's happened, especially with, with Queena and Bassi both playing, you know, the team lacked confidence. The, the team lacked any self-belief whatsoever. And that won't have been helped by the absence of obviously Coley Woodrow, who's out, you know, quite long term. And these lads have come in and lifted the players around them. And and don't get me wrong, yesterday, especially the third goal, you know, it, 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 a bit of luck goes a long way, doesn't it? But what it's done, the upturning results, so the QPR result, the whole result, and now the Middlesbrough result, you can see it looks like a different team on the pitch. And this team, as it's playing now, I'm giving it a decent chance of, you know, yet another great escape. And Carlo, I, like many other people, I assume, had Barnsley down as dead and buried not too long ago, but suddenly, three wins out of four. What are we saying now? What do you reckon Barnsley's chances of staying up are? Listen, mate, you and me both. Um, I think what's happened is um, those those last just three out of four results, three wins out of four, they've given themselves a real, real chance. What We found our, you know, our strongest starting 11. Um, big match coming up against Derby next week. Uh, you need luck with no injuries. Um, I also want to mention Matty Wolf, who's come in, academy player, was out on loan to Aspio, come back, doing a real job in midfield. Um, they've given themselves a chance, and I think once you are out, and most people are written badly off, and I think sometimes when you then show people that you can do it and we can get these results, because let's face it, Badley's only playing now how we expected them to play, you know, at the start of the season. Um, listen, there's still points to make up. Mathematically, it's still possible. Um, am I, you know, I, I tell you what, if you lose against Derby, it'd be interesting to see how the team comes back. But for now, I'm on that crest of a, of a wave of hope. And I say, things continue like this. Barnsley could potentially upset some people and make it the great escape part two. Thank you, Carlo. Yeah, Barnsley have scored more goals this week, Justin, than they have done in the two months prior. They've won as many games this week as they have done in the previous six months. But three wins in four games and... For me, I struggled to recall a team who has gone from looking so dead and buried to playing like this. Sure, it's only four games, but it's truly remarkable, isn't it? I think it is quite remarkable when you put it like that. Um, I didn't, I didn't think of it like that. But when you, well, yeah, when you lay it down um, as you did, yeah, it is, it is quite astounding that they've gone from being arguably one of the worst functioning sides I've seen in the championship to being actually looking like. They're competitive, looking like they can beat teams, looking like they can go at teams, because again, you're looking at you're looking at them and you're thinking, how are you going to score goals? How are you going to create opportunities? But this four two three one that Asbarg is put in place seems to be um, balancing balancing um, the the team shape and and getting the best out of that forward line. Carlton Morris as a number as a number nine is is fantastic. He, he looks really really sharp and really really dangerous. And as Wilder pointed out in his post match presser, he bullied that. 
that Borough back line. So yeah, it's, it, there's a lot to um, there's a lot to like about Barnsley over the last couple of weeks. Um, but they've just got to maintain that consistency because if they don't, then it's it's hard to see them getting out. But they've given themselves a right old chance. They definitely have. I think um, it goes back to what we keep saying, Justin. There's it's quite remarkable that well it. The fact that you've got four very poor, well, two teams with points deductions and three teams who have been mm-hmm. very poor for a long time um, says a lot about how poor those teams have been that they have got yeah. a chance of staying up um, with just two wins. Because Barnsley, I think, had the lowest points tally ever at one mm-hmm. point in the season um, for yeah. however many games it is, if you don't know what I mean. Um so the fact that they've got to this stage and they've got a chance to stay up says a lot about how far off those teams are from normal seasons. Uh, I mean, Bassi scored two, got an assist. He joined from Mets on loan on deadline day. When you take into account, they also got Domingos Quina on deadline day as well. It could end up saving their season, their deadline day business, couldn't it? Barnsley mm. then, six points from safety. What are we saying, Justin? <laughs> well, we we threw them aside, didn't we, not too long ago? Because, as you say, they've gone Rightly from a so, team looking, so. yeah, yeah. Well, as you say, they've gone from a team looking truly, truly awful to looking pretty, pretty good. Um, so, I think you can say, like, if if they do maintain that consistency, if they get to that international break in March, and they are within punching distance of, of Reading or whoever's in that um, in that twenty first position. Um, then they've got a very good chance because they've got the quality of players to do it. It's just it's just getting consistency. This this can't be a flash in the pan a uh, couple of weeks for Barnsley. Um, and based on the whole of the season, it, it, it might be. But as I say, if, they, if they're consistent, if they maintain this level of performance, they will start to pick up points because they made Borough, they made Borough look like a, a lower mid-table fodder team who had nothing to play for, didn't they? And that's credit to Barnsley. Not, not a discredit to, to, to Borough, but that's, that's a lot of credit to Barnsley for that. The pendulum swings very rapidly in this relegation battle, doesn't it? Barnsley mm. looked like well, they were gone a few weeks ago, didn't they? And it looked like it was going to be a straight shootout between Derby and Reading. Derby looked to be the favourites and then Reading win two and they go miles ahead. And now I'm looking at Hull. Uh, I was looking at Hull, sorry, thinking they could get dragged into it. But now they look all right after beating, after beating Peterborough this weekend. It's too crazy to predict because my mind has changed three times now in the space of a week about who's staying up. So... It is just about putting together a string of good results, isn't it? Easier said mm-hmm. than done. Um, we've seen with Reading, two wins and you go flying clear because the other teams down there have been struggling for points so much this season. Um, that's two good results and suddenly it's all looking very rosy. There is a massive game next week, Derby v Barnsley. A six-pointer if ever there was one. Um, well, what's going on with Middlesbrough, Justin? You wouldn't expect losses to Barnsley and Bristol City in the space of seven days from a side looking to get promoted, would you? Yeah, again, I think it just comes down to being clinical. Uh, they defended really poorly against um, against Barnsley. I think Wilder said if he could take off all of his back five, he would have, uh, which is quite a quite a staggering statement to make. Look at that third goal, for example, from Barnsley, the the Amin Bassi one, where he made he made uh, good old Van Dijkstil look like Dijkstil, didn't he? <laughs> to uh, to to be to be blunt about it, he made him look like a. Um, a Sunday league defender because he the size of Bassett he shouldn't be shrugging off so in the size of Dykesteel. Um and then the, the 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 way he put the ball through Lumley's legs it was just really it, it looked quite pathetic which is quite a damning statement but it was a really poor goal to concede from from Boris's perspective but I think you look at Balogun he hit the post twice um, but by that point, the game might have been over. As I say, they just didn't. I don't think they approached the game with the right mentality, and I think they paid for it. Uh, QPR paid for it. 
recently as well. So just goes to show that complacency can set into to, to good sides. Yeah, Middlesbrough's defending was uncharacteristically shambolic here, wasn't it? They really struggled to get a grip on the game. Wilder was complaining that the defence was sat so deep, um, which obviously won't help with getting a grip on the game. I'd put it down to just a bad day at the office. I think they were missing Riley McGree, who's been playing really well recently. The striker situation at Middlesbrough is interesting, isn't it? They've got four strikers who Wilder was given plenty of minutes to, but none of them are particularly taking their chances in terms of scoring goals and Mm. playing well. Um, I still fancy them to get top six at the moment, but they've certainly lost momentum. I don't think there's any debating that at all. Let's move our attention to the top of the table, Justin. Bournemouth remained second after a late double. Saw them beat Stoke 2-1. The big talking point in this was the sending off. Stoke were down to 10 men for the best part of an hour after Morgan Fox was given a straight red. Justin, are you face palming or applauding? I'm, I'm face palming. Uh, I don't. It's not a red card. Uh, none of the tackles in that game were red cards. It's really poor officiating. It's the same official who sent Ravel Morrison off for a similar tackle, um, and it's the same referee that failed to send off Lewis Graben for a, a, a dangerous tackle when he obviously sent off Ravel Morrison for something of the sort. So he's he's, he's inconsistent. He's a referee that struggles to control games. Um, and they do start to turn a bit nasty. So again, you've got to question whether or not he's capable of refereeing big games in a championship. Um, so that's my that's my two cents on it. Um, I don't think it was a red card. I think it was a really, really poor decision. Yeah, I, it was never a red card in a million years for me. I, I wouldn't even say it's a yellow, to be completely honest. First off, mm. he's got so much of the ball. Um, and then the follow through, which must be the reason why the referee is given the straight red. It's not that bad. As far it's a, as it's a contact sport, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. It, it sounds very Brexit when you say that, but it is a contact sport yeah. at the end of the day. As far as studs up tackles go, it's not endangering the player more than any other tackle, is it? And the sick yeah. irony is that there are at least three tackles in the following minutes that were worse than that. So never sending <laughs> off, and Michael O'Neill can feel very aggrieved over that, that's for sure. Uh, the sending off aside. I thought it was a very good performance from Stoke. Justin Tommy Smith's goal was a lovely strike, wasn't it? It was a good was. battling performance and had a bit more of a spark than what we've seen recently from the Potters. They look really good on the, the counter-attack and you've got to be, because you're coming up against a Bournemouth team who like to keep the ball under Scott Parker, they like to knock it around. Um, so you've got to be quick to, to choose your opportunities to break and they did that. Jacob Brown, I thought, was really good as well. <clears throat> And as you say, they, they, they managed to find a, uh, an opening through through Tommy Smith. And I thought first half, Stoke were on top. I think the red card changes things massively, takes a swing out of Stoke. And it's, it's a massive, massive shame. But again, you're looking at that performance and you think, if you approach more games like this, you will pick up points. They did the same thing against Fulham. Um, they took the game to Fulham. They came away with nothing and, and ultimately... The results after that didn't, uh, didn't they didn't build up uh, upon that performance, and, and results after that showed. So, for for me, it's, for Stoke, it's about putting these performances in consistently um, because the results will come from that. They're just too inconsistent performance wise. Yeah, definitely one win in eight for Michael O'Neill's side, which mm-hmm. is a bit of an issue. What did you think of Bournemouth, Justin? Yeah, it's really hard to to, to put a measure on Bournemouth because. Again, second off they improved. First off, they they, they weren't too good, um, but second off they improved. And again, you're looking at that quality of player, getting him through the game late in the game. Again, uh, it comes down to the quality of individuals they've got. I do, I do question whether they function as a team. Whether Scott Parker can get them functioning as a team, like like Fulham have, for example, um, under Marco Silva. Because as I say, they're just 
feel like just relying on individuals too often and I think the data backs that up as well but nonetheless it's a massive three points for him Mark Travers again was was brilliant in keeping keeping Bournemouth competitive in the game because you know a worse keeper for example might let a couple of those uh, those big saves go by and stoke her back into the game um, so yeah it, it was a good performance but still there's still areas of concern in terms of um, how the team performs under Scott Parker rather than individuals yeah, I'd agree. They're well, they're well and truly in the driving seat for promotion, aren't mm-hmm. they? Four yeah, wins yeah, on absolutely. the trot, two points clear of third with four games in hand on Sunset. It's lagging behind them. So it does look like we are going to be seeing Bournemouth back in the Premier League come May. But I'm the same as you. I can't say I've been particularly convinced by them across the course of the season. There have been many moments where I've been pulling faces at how they've been doing. Even in the four wins they've had, there are caveats to be added, aren't there? So... The odds are firmly in their favour to finish where they are set right now and we should indeed see them back in the Premier League next season. But how they do, I've got question marks. It's something we'll probably discuss at a later date when promotion is a bit more secure because it is worth saying they've got very tricky final nine games. So some twists and turns to be had, but odds on now, isn't it, that uh, Bournemouth are going to get promoted. Yeah. In the Paul Ince derby, Reading were thumped 4-1 away at Blackpool. This was like the Reading of old, wasn't it, Justin? And by old, I mean three weeks ago. Yeah, it really was. It really was. It's quite frightening, isn't it? How two wins, they they, they grabbed two wins and then they fall back into their old ways because the defending was so, so bad. The the Ekpeteta goal for for Blackpool, by the way, I don't think you'll have an easier header to, to put in. It was like watching under nines. Reading this is it was like watching under nines who are slightly nervous in case they bump into an opposition player and they hurt themselves that's what they're defending looked like Ekpateta literally just balls bouncing he just jumps and headed it into the goal it was truly remarkable in terms of how bad it is and the goals after that um, I think the Lavery goal you've got to question why there's so much space between the midfield and the defence for him to, to run into it was it was a really poor display again defensively from Reading shape was nothing um uh, and Blackpool exploited it. But, you know, they've got good players and, and they exploited it. It was, yeah, it was bad. Really bad again. Really bad. Defensively, they were just ripped apart, weren't they? And that's been a problem all season. But up top, they didn't create too much after Blackpool got their noses in front. That is, I think they lacked energy in midfield as well. It was just poor, aside from the opening 20 minutes. And the way they just fell apart after losing the lead is a cause for concern. <laughs> because now you think, well, they got the two wins. Are they now going to go back to the team before who were just simply dreadful they've got a tricky month ahead as well really really tricky so the relegation battle is still very much wide open another blow for Reading as well goalkeeper Carl Hine is set to miss at least the next six weeks through injury after falling over in his house could happen to anyone just (laughs) so yeah I think he may have to have surgery so if he has to have surgery then he'll be out for even longer as well so <laughs> Why are you pulling from, that face? <laughs> from falling over in your house, just he has in to your, have surgery. You can't be That's safe mad. anywhere. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. You're young, young, young lad as well, isn't he? Yeah. That's absolutely bonkers. He must have, I don't know, what, is he mopping his floors with oil? What is going on? (laughs) (laughs) Good news, though. Ophia Jaria was back for the Royals as well, which is a welcome boost for them. Blackpool's first win in five. Won this in some style, didn't they? Josh Bowler scored again. He's been on fire. He's gone from (laughs) scoring two in five months to five in the last month alone. That's outrageous. Um, CJ Hamilton, dangerous as well. The man who really impressed me was Marvin Ekpeteta at the back, Justin. Mm -hmm. He got 
two goals in two games now, but at the back, didn't put a foot wrong all game. It's a good summary of the season he's had, really, isn't it? He's been a rock for them throughout the course of yeah. the past few months. Brilliant in the air, really solid defender. I'll, I'll confess that I didn't know too much about him when he was in League One last season, but every time I've seen him this season, he's looked a really classy player. Is he someone you're a fan of, Justin? Yeah, absolutely. He's 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 dominant, isn't he? And 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 Blackpool uh, Blackpool haven't had a settled back line this season because of injuries to to key personnel at, at, at times. Um, but Ekpatetas, yeah, he's one that impresses me fairly often. And then again, he, he comes under the radar of, of probably other teams sniffing around Blackpool, looking for looking for bargains. But I do hope Blackpool can keep that team together come the summer because next season, if they, I think if they can add a few more a few more into that uh, into that team, and obviously get Keshi Anderson back in as well. I think they'll be a very dangerous team next season, a, a, a potentially a dark horse. Obviously, it's a long time to go, but I'm just highlighting how how many quality players they do actually have. Jordan Gabriel, again, another good player. Uh, I really like at Blackpool. So, yeah, really good side um, and one that I hope can can build rather than get picked apart. Yeah, it's a young team, isn't it, really? When you actually yeah, think it about is. it. Lavery's mm-hmm. young. Um, Ekpateta's only 25. It wouldn't surprise me if there is a bit of interest in him considering he is so young. Josh Bowler's a young lad. It, it is a young team, so the, the fact that they're <clears throat> comfortably mid-table now I and mean, we're just not going to talk about it is impressive Impressive mm-hmm. in itself Critchley's doing a sterling job this season uh, Mill's miraculous form continues four wins on the trot now the latest being a 1-0 victory at home to Sheffield United who themselves have been in good form recently as well we talk about Barnsley's form coming out of nowhere the same can be said about Mill can't it? It, it can, but this is this is Millwall territory. This this part of the season, isn't it, where they where they do start to pick up results. I think I said in in previous episodes, it's the part of the season where they where they try and make a go of the playoffs. Whether or not it's too um, too far gone or they're too far off is is another question. But they can they can have a massive impact in that playoff race and put themselves in contention if they beat another playoff rivals like Sheffield United like this. Um, then a lot of teams are going to be pretty nervous playing against them because they're going to take points off off good teams because. Again, the way Raul likes to set up, I think it, I think it lends into teams that want to have a go because you know he puts his game plans in place and they're very efficient at reducing the game's quality, shall we say? Um, which sounds like a criticism, but you look at the number of chances in this game, for example, there wasn't too many. Um, they they limited Sheffield United um, and they and they picked a, the winner up through uh, through a set piece. So yeah, really good game plan, and I think they could be in contention again. Just got to get to that international break and see where they're at. Yeah, definitely. Rowett seems very settled on the team right now, doesn't he? Which is the way it should be if you don't yeah. change something that when it, if it's not broke, do you? Jed Wallace has been brilliant as ever recently. Dan McNamara, I think, has been great at right wing back. Tyler Burry um, has been really good leading the line. Someone you're a fan of, Justin? Yeah, I mentioned him in midweek. He's he's really really looking sharp, and again, his finishing midweek was was brilliant. He's, he's got he's, he's quite quick. He's he's energetic, which again you need that in a youngster um, playing in this Millwall team because they're going to want to press teams um, and make make things uncomfortable. So yeah, he's a player that's going to develop, and yeah, Millwall again one of those teams that go under the radar in terms of players they produce. Yeah, the we know Millwall are a good side don't we the, the really mm-hmm. big bugger for them this season has been consistency and consistency and, yeah. it. and a couple of wins would instantly be followed by a string of draws or two losses but now they've got the <coughs> noses up I think because Rara is settled with his team um, he'll just keep putting out each week and they'll just keep ticking mm-hmm. over nicely there were a couple of injuries in this game though Mason Bennett and Sean Hutchinson went off so whether that changes anything only time will tell but they're playing with confidence got their eyes on the playoffs why not when you're one of the form teams in the division? Just a bad day at the office for Sheffield United, Justin? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, like I said, you, you've you've got to really be on your game. If if Gary Rowett gets his game plans right, you've got to really be on your game because um, because it'll be a very difficult afternoon for you. And I just I just think it was yeah, just a blow par performance from from Sheffield United. I think they they lacked a little bit of spark as well against Blackburn. Obviously, they they conceded quite a few chances in midweek against Blackburn. So. Probably probably leaked into into this into this one a little bit, but I think they'll dust themselves down and go again because they're in they're in a very good contention for for the playoffs. I don't think they'll let that go uh, nah. quite e- quite easily. Nah, neither do I. Gibbs White had a great chance towards the end of the game, but apart yeah. from that, they struggled to create much else, and I think we're just shit housed ultimately. <laughs> uh, next two games are at home to Forest and Middlesbrough. Big games, then. Really, really big games. Right, Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about a win for Huddersfield and a win for Luton. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Now, Justin, we live, eat and breathe championship football on this podcast. So not being able to go to some games is gutting. However, Justin, there is a solution. What is the solution, Ryan? Well, there's a very handy tool called NordVPN. What's NordVPN? In a nutshell, NordVPN is a cyber Swiss army knife with plenty of features and benefits. Picture the scene, 3pm on a Saturday, side is away from home. If you use NordVPN, then you can change your virtual location and watch the game in your own living room. It's not just football, you can watch Netflix, Amazon Prime or any other streaming platform and watch their content from different countries, meaning you don't have to wait for it to be released on UK Netflix or UK Amazon Prime, for example. Also, if you're travelling, you might use unsecured public Wi-Fi. Having NordVPN on your phone, laptop or tablet protects you from pesky hackers. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by using the link in the description of this podcast or head to nordvpn.com and use the code SECONDTIER to get a huge discount off your NordVPN pan, plus one additional month for free and a bonus gift. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. It costs less than a pint, so it's an absolute bargain. Have a look for yourself right now. Huddersfield remain unbeaten after winning 2-0 against Birmingham or Small Heath Alliance, as they were known for this <laughs> game. Justin, were you a fan of that? I didn't. I, to be honest, I was confused at first because I didn't realise it was Birmingham City who changed it. I thought it was just like a feeder account, um, but then I realised it was Birmingham City. And I mean, yeah, it's cool, fair play. Yeah, it's because Peaky Blinders is yeah, be out yeah. this weekend. Actually, out today as we record this episode, doing this in honour of a gang who killed multiple people in your city 100 years ago is interesting. But we move. Um, <laughs> small, small Heath were poor here weren't they the the second goal was comical defensively I think in a normal season Small Heath would be one of a few teams in a bit of trouble of going down do you do you agree yeah I I, I do um I think you know you, you remove the points deductions um from those teams that have had them uh, it puts them in the mix um obviously the likes of Peterborough Barnsley have had poor seasons themselves, but at least one place up for grabs. But yeah, the defending for for, for the goals were really poor. Second one, you say, was was quite comical, um, but the first one was was equally as bad. Not quite sure why no one's blocking the run for for Colwell. He just had a free head, um, which was yeah, it was, it was pretty poor. No one was attacking the ball either. Um, but you've got to also understand that they are in a bit of a defensive crisis. Having Jeremy Bella as a left fullback, not a wing back, mm. a fullback is is a bit of a problem it does highlight just exactly what the issues are at Birmingham City I think small uh, sorry Small Heath yep yep okay Small Heath Alliance up the alliance um, 
Uh, and yeah, obviously at that point it leaves them with too much to do because they're a side that are misfire as well. Yeah, they've had to basically play with Maxime Collan and Christian Pedersen at centre-back for the last few games and both of them mm-hmm. are full-backs. But they've looked all right at times, to be fair to them. Um, it is just, obviously, as you say, it's makeshift. And I think they have had Andre Wisdom training with them, the former yeah. Derby centre-half. Um, I'm surprised they haven't snapped him up sooner, to be quite frank. But yeah, it, it, that has been a massive issue for Birmingham and definitely hasn't helped them at all. But Huddersfield, now up to third, Justin. They're not stopping, are they? They're not. They're not. And I'm. I'm telling you, this. This team. It just. It just looks like a team that is going for it. Um. It looks like a team that very, very difficult to stop. Um. They remind me a lot of the the Wagner team, where they just relentlessly just, just picking up points, picking up clean sheets, defending really well, making it difficult. Um. And you've you've got to admire this game, especially uh, two 0 up. You could take your foot off the gas, um, but they didn't. They managed the game. They had a they had a plan in the second half to to keep the scores as it was, and it defended really, really well. Um, this was a, a really good performance. Again, it, you might not think it, but because but because of where Birmingham City City are, but this small is leaf. one that oh, for God's sake, yes, where small heath lights are in the table. Um, but this this is one of those performances that really convinces me that they can they they can push on for promotion. They've got Peterborough at home next week as well, which should be another comfortable three points. But then the fixtures stiffen up after that. And I think that's going to be the real test of Huddersfield's playoff chances. Luton in the playoffs. Speaking of the top six, it's after they beat Derby 1-0. Them Hatters, Justin. It's the first time they've won three consecutive championship games in over 25 years. Is that a sign that something special is happening here? I think it could be because I saw that start. And I was convinced Derby might get something out of the game, um, and it looked like they were. This this game was destined for for nil nil. There was a there's a real lack of quality in it. But then Danny Hilton pops up on the edge of the box with a really tidy finish, and Luton see out the game. Um, Derby made the game scrappy. Not Luton. Derby made the game scrappy, and um, they struggled to, to to break him down as soon as Luton as soon as Luton went one nil up. And again. Good teams find ways to win. If they're not at the best, they find ways to win, and, and Luton did that. So it's really hard not to, again, not to get carried away with with Luton Town because they are picking up points. They're not just beating the teams lowering the table as well. They're beating teams in and around them. Yeah, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think Luton were particularly at the best here. Derby certainly gave them a good game, but a win's a win. And now no team has picked up more points in 2022 than Luton Town. What a stat! I mean, <laughs> all neutrality aside, I want to see Luton in the playoffs. Justin, I'll openly <laughs> admit that. I, I know I'm meant to be objective, but I don't care. I keep saying that as much as I want it to happen, I still think it won't. That is still the case. But the longer they continue to win and getting good results, the scepticism is obviously going <clears> to keep deteriorating, deteriorating into it. And they're a great side. Nathan Jones is a great manager, and I think it would be good for the championship in general for a team with one of, if not the lowest budget, wage budget in the division, gets into the playoffs because it would show that you don't need to have a wage budget as big as some mm-hmm. of the other teams. Um, so I'm hoping the wins continue. They've got a few tricky games coming up, but those teams won't want to be playing Luton either, will they? I can tell you that for no. sure. So as long as it keeps happening, then Luton are looking a really, really good bet for the playoffs. Um as brilliant as Derby have been across the course of the season, Justin, the away form has been a big issue, hasn't it? Just two wins on their travels all season. And Rooney has even said that if they're going to stay up, they need to get more points on the road. Yeah, you, you both of you are spot on, um, you and Wayne Rooney. Um, as I say, they, they just lack composure in this game. Um, they they kept playing the ball. 
uh, sort of left it, um, lifted balls into the Luton defence and Luton, again, very hard-working team, so they're going to pick up second balls quicker than any opposition in this league. So you've got to be you've got to be brave in how you pass it and, and play through Luton because, as I say, playing that way in terms of like trying to scrap in midfield and, and win the midfield battle is going to be really, really difficult. And again, this looks this just looked like a tea, a game where they just ran out of steam. Um, they as soon as Luton won, went one nil up, I was sort of thinking, no way, Derby are getting back into this because of how Luton can manage games, how they manage this game, and how how poor Derby were with the ball. They're just poor going forwards, aren't they? It's been the case across the <laughs> yeah. course of the season. The data shows that they've got a massive week ahead of them. They've got Cardiff away in the week obviously Cardiff yep. n- not too far away from the relegation battle but shouldn't get relegated at this point and then Barnsley which is a six pointer a massive six pointer next Saturday so yeah big big week for Derby's chances of staying up Fulham won again I mean who cares at this point they beat Cardiff 1-0 Mitrovic scored again I could honestly just copy and paste the same notes each week now couldn't have Fulham win thanks to a goal from Alexander Mitrovic his 34th goal of the season now what a ball from Harry Wilson mm. though Justin it was it was crisp, and that is that is what Harry Wilson brings to teams. He's not one of those players who goes goes at you. He's not one of those players who, who runs with the ball. He, he likes to pick his spots, and which is why I think he he, he would thrive in a team that gives him a, a license. And, and Fulham are doing that. Um, he had that at Derby, where he also had a, a really good um, personal season as well. So he's he's such a good player. He's got the best. He's got the best left foot in the league, hasn't he? Let's let's be honest. His, his left foot is just so pinpoint. I think the only criticism you can have of him, he's not scored as many set pieces as as he has done in previous years. Uh, but at the same time, don't think that's don't think that matters, given that he's putting them on a plate for the likes of Mitrovic. Yeah, definitely. Fulham weren't at the best here. I think that's safe to say. But still got the three points. There are a couple of interesting decisions in this game. Obviously, it didn't mean too much because Fulham still won anyway. But there was a blatant handball missed on Aidan mm-hmm. Flint where his arm is <laughs> out by his side and the referee just doesn't give him anything. The other one was Ivan Cavaliero getting elbowed in the face by Perry and G and nothing was given, which was a strange yeah. decision in itself. That was a pretty blatant one, wasn't it? But yeah, Fulham still clear at the top of the table. Nine points clear of Bournemouth in second. Um, Forest two, Bristol City nil. The first time a Bristol City game hasn't finished with both teams scoring in 14 games, Justin. Um, which in this case isn't progress for once. But the fact of the matter is Bristol City could have conceded a lot more had it not been for Dan Bentley in goal. How many times have we said that this season uh, and, and last season as well? Dan Bentley um, perhaps unfairly dropped her or fairly dropped earlier on in the season, but nonetheless, he's, he's a good goalkeeper and he, and he kept this score pretty respectable for, for Bristol City. Um, yeah, as you say, Forrest could have easily had five or six. It was quite frightening actually how many Good saves, not just routine saves. Good saves. Dan Bentley had to pull off, yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it was just a poor, poor day for Bristol City. They were poor in possession. Didn't really offer much going forwards. They really struggled to contain uh, Keenan Davis, who are just falling in love with as a number nine. He's just so, so brilliant and, and unselfish. Um, I think Cameron Pring getting booked early on as well um, is a disaster. Any left back getting booked early on uh, against the likes of Jed Spence, Brennan Johnson is a disaster for your team. Yeah, definitely. I was just looking at Bristol City's expected goals defensively and they're 
quite lucky really that they've got the likes of Peterborough and Reading in the division this season who have also <laughs> been a shambles at the back because otherwise um, it'll probably be scrutinised a lot more but yeah Brandon Johnson is quite good at football isn't he? he was brilliant here he's been one of the most informed attackers in the division for the past couple of months now and just seems to be getting better at a scarily fast rate and 97th minute wonder goal rescued a point for Coventry at home to Preston one all it finished it was scored by young Fabio Tavares his first championship goal and just think about that for a moment Justin a 21 year old lad scoring I think he's 21 scoring his first championship goal in the 97th minute and it's a wonder goal like that I mean it's Roy of the Rovers stuff it is a little bit isn't it Um, yeah it was was a brilliant finish the, the composure to do it nine times out of ten that flies over the bar doesn't it when you've got an inexperienced player who might have a bit of a rush of blood, maybe. Um, they blaze it over, but that was that was a crisp finish. That killed him. He placed that. It was a, it was a beautiful beautiful finish. And um, I've got a feel for Coventry fans. They all must look ten years older than they actually are because the amount of late goals they score. <laughs> I'd be so stressed. My hair would be grey. Um, but they certainly make sure their fans are still in the ground because what a way to equalise. That was a brilliant goal. Your hair would be greyer than it already is, is what you meant to say. Um, <laughs> there was a red card for each side in the space of two minutes here and just completely separate incidents. It was a very interesting game. It was, a, it was a entertaining one all, I think is a good oh, way yeah. of putting it. Uh, Coventry, three points off the top six. They're still very much in their grasp at the moment. Preston sit 12th on at 47 points. They have played a couple more games than a lot of the teams around them. Then the final game of the weekend is West Brom v Swansea, which is on Monday night. So we'll talk about that in Thursday's episode. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news and Derby's takeover still hasn't happened yet. We got told that a preferred bidder will be announced by the weekend. It's now Sunday and no announcement has been made. But I have seen multiple reports indicating that it may very well be a certain Mr. Ashley, which I reckon you'll be supportive of, Justin. Yep, I've pretty much said I want Mike Ashley um, as the owner of Derby County. He's got the money, he's got the the nous. It makes sense. Any championship team, I think, would be quite lucky with, with Mike Ashley in charge. I think he gets quite a bad rap from Newcastle United fans, but you've got to consider that, that um, takeover from the group that took Newcastle over, um, was meant to go through in 2018, but was blocked by the Premier League. So no surprise that he stopped investing in the club as much as he was, but they still bought uh, a lot of players. So yeah, probably gets a bad rap than, than uh, a worse rap than, than he probably should have. But yeah, it makes sense. It, it needs to happen, please. I just, just want it to be over, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree with you. I think Ashley does get a worse rap than he deserves from Newcastle mm-hmm. fans obviously Newcastle fans aren't happy with him and he'll never be brought a pint in Newcastle I think that's safe to say but <laughs> um, at the same time 15 out, of seven, 15 out of 17 seasons in the Premier League it's not too bad is it Newcastle mm-hmm. fans have got every right to be not too pleased with him but I think you could also definitely say that Newcastle fans probably think they're a bigger club than they actually are um, but with that being said Mike Ashley um, I think he's perfect for Derby. He has got experience in the past, and he getting companies mm-hmm. in difficult positions and then taking them onto a level footing. And I think that's just what he's got to do with Derby. It makes financial sense for him to get Derby back in the Premier League because that's where he'll make the most money out of Derby, and that's ultimately why he's investing. Um, so that works for everyone. I, I think it's perfect for Derby, and if it does indeed end up being Mr. Ashley, then yeah, 
I think Derby fans will be absolutely chuffed to have him at the helm. Grant McCann has been officially appointed Peterborough boss. Any additional thoughts on this, Justin, now that it's official? No, although I was convinced they were going to beat Peterborough. Um, to be, uh, sorry, they were going to beat Hull. It just made logical sense. His first game in charge was against Peterborough. Didn't pan out how it was. He's got a big, big job because some of the goals uh, Peterborough conceded in that game were, again, terrible. Um, yeah, he's, he's got a massive job on his hands. And I think Peterborough, Peterborough fans and the ownership need to be patient with Grant McCann because I think if they are, he can do a very good job and they, they, can, do, they can be a good championship team under him. I, I I can't see him staying in the championship now. I think no, they won't. Uh, yeah, no, no. I mean, no, in the but, future. But as we were saying in the week, if they do end up in League One next season, then he's a good manager to have in League One, didn't he? Because he did brilliantly getting Hull back into uh, the championship at the first time of asking last season, and I think that's what the appointment is with an eye to do. And when they're back in the championship, if it does end up being the case, um, they'll have a fresh set of eyes. And Grant McCann's mm-hmm. at least a better manager than. Dan Ferguson I'll give him that much uh, but I'm, I'm still a bit sceptical about whether if Peterborough are back in the championship in two seasons time whether he'll be a success or not Robert Snodgrass has joined Luton on a deal until the end of the season he's a free agent after leaving West Brom not too long ago you're a big fan of this signing weren't you Justin? Yeah, it's a massive signing. Look, he's, he's not—he's never been blessed with pace. He's never needed it. Um, he's got a wonderful left foot. Um, he can do damage at set plays. He can do damage from deep. Um, and can you just imagine the amount of crosses, he, pinpoint crosses he put into the box for the likes of Cameron Jerome and uh, Elijah Adebayo? It's, it's, yeah, he's going to be a massive player for, for Luton over the next few months. I'm really looking forward to seeing how it pans out. It's a good signing, a really good signing for Luton as well. No disrespect to Luton, but you're bringing in someone like Robert Snodgrass, who was playing Premier League football not too long ago. It's a massive coup. And finally, Reading made a pre-tax loss of £35 million last season. That is down from £42 million the season before, but fairly eye-watering to say the very least, Justin. Yeah, it's progress at least, and it's going to go. The losses are going to drop even further with this uh, business plan that they've got in place. Unfortunately, where that puts Reading in the future, I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, they need a massive, massive reset. They definitely do. Right now, it's time for the polls. This is where we give the listeners three questions on Twitter because we want to get their thoughts on all things to do with the championship. The first question we asked is this: Is Grant McCann a good appointment for Peterborough? Yes or no? Yes, I do. I think it's a, a good appointment. I, I, I do like him. I firmly have splinters in my arse. Um, I don't really know, to be honest. Um, 53% of people said no. 47% of people said yes. Who's staying up? Barnsley, Derby, Peterborough or Reading? Oh, Christ, I don't know. Um, Fulham. No, no, they're going up. Fulham? <laughs> I, just, I wanted the easy I they're staying up, yeah. Yeah, well, they're definitely staying up, but they're going up, so I'm not going to stay in the championship. But I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. It's so hard. No, yeah, I'm, again, splinters in my arse. Um, 48% of people said Reading, 33% of people said Derby, 15% said Barnsley, 4% said Peterborough. Poor Peterborough. <laughs> poor, poor Peterborough. <laughs> and finally, what's the best Morgan Freeman film? Shawshank Redemption, Seven, Dark Knight, or Bruce Almighty? Now, Shawshank's all right, but it goes on for a long while, which will be a very controversial uh, uh, controversial statement for listeners. I, I really like Seven. Seven's a great film, and, he, and he's he's a ruthless bastard in that. It's pretty good. I like it. You're going Seven? Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Um, I, I, you got me thinking, and what's longer out of 
The Dark Knight and Shawshank Redemption. I'm pretty sure The Dark Knight's a long film as well, but I'm uh, mm. struggling to find it. So lucky I'll let you off on this one, Justin. Uh, 56% of people said Shawshank Redemption. 25% said Dark Knight. 12% said Seven. 7% said Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty got more than I was expecting there. I thought it was going to be lucky to get 1%. Right, uh, that's the polls. And now it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson here. Yes, it's time for Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show. Ryan Hildred from Rovers Chat and Dan Bolden from the Peterborough podcast, The Yellow Block. So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject. All they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I would say name the eight longest serving Premier League clubs not to win the Premier League. And Dan would say Everton, that's one down. And Ryan would say Spurs, that's another down. But if Justin would say Weymouth, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, chaps, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. Lee Tomlin. Is back in football. He signed for a new club this week. It's the ninth club he's played for in his career. One of those clubs is Brackley Town. Can you name me the remaining eight? Uh, we'll start off. Does anyone want to name the club who he signed for this week? Great. That's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll give you this one. So he signed for Walsall okay. this week. Um, so that's one down. Um, and it's from me. So you've got seven to go. We'll start off with uh, Dan. Peterborough. Absolutely. Two spells at posh for Mr. Tomlin. Ryan, your go. Cardiff. Yeah, he was there uh, for quite a while, actually. He only had one season there where he was actually playing and he was unplayable in that season, Monty. Justin, your go. I'll get the hard one out of the way because I remember signing him a lot on Football Manager. He came through at Russian Diamonds. Justin Peach and his mid-2000s <laughs> lower league football knowledge is unchallenged. Uh, yes, that's correct. Rushton Diamonds. Um, you've got five to go. Dan Weldon. Uh, oh, yeah. No, my knowledge was spent at Peterborough and Cardiff, to be honest. Um, oh, I'm going to yeah, shoot in the dark. Good. Preston. He hasn't played for Preston. No, that's not right. So Dan's out. I said you've got five to go. You've actually got four to go. I forgot that I've given you all sort of at the start. So it's down to Ryan and Justin. You've got four to go, Ryan. Did he play for Middlesbrough? He did. He was only there for a year and a half. Well, actually played for them quite a bit. So yeah, that's absolutely correct. Justin, you're, you're looking at me very tensely right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The... We get plays like this, and normally it's like a Scott Parker or something. But Lee Tomlin, yeah, you've you've got to know your stuff, haven't you? Um, he had a loan spell. Only you are a championship expert. Yeah, no, all right, yeah, we'll take that. But I've just told you Forrest, and I think that's one of them. He is. He had a loan spell there in 2018, so that's correct. You've got two remaining. Um, Ryan, it's your go again. See, I can't get Bristol City out of my head and I just don't know if I'm getting mixed up with someone like Benicophobia or something. Just, I can't think of anyone else though. So I'm going to say Bristol City. I think he played there, but I'm not certain on that. He did. Bristol City. He joined on loan before moving there permanently. So that's absolutely correct. Uh, you've got one remaining. You've said Rushton and Diamonds, Peterborough, Middlesbrough, Bristol City, Forest, Cardiff, Walsall. Um, Justin, do you know the final one? I, I don't, I don't. I'm going to take a stab in the dark. I'm going to say Bournemouth. Bournemouth's correct. 
He did play for Bournemouth. <laughs> he he moved there for three and a half million quid, but only played six Premier League games in that time. So yeah, um, it's one that passes you by. Did, did you know that? Did you have like a bit of an inkling in, in your head? Yeah, th- there was a little bit. Um, I had no idea he signed for him in the Premier League. Uh, but mm. that's, yeah, that's quite scary, that. Yeah, it passes <laughs> you by, but he's a very Bournemouth kind of player, isn't he? Oh, they spent money on everybody, didn't they, at one point? They just signed yeah. every championship player who stuck out. Uh, yeah. That was this season, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you mean. That took a second. Took <laughs> <laughs> me a second to realise what you're saying. Uh, yes, that's absolutely correct. So well done, chaps. You've won Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight for this week. And that brings to an end another episode of the Second Tier Podcast. So thank you, as always, for listening to the show. We'll be back again on Thursday to talk about the two midweek games we've got coming up and then talk about some of the news and look ahead to next weekend's games as well. Quick thank you to our guests on the show this week. Dan Weldon from the Peterborough Podcast, The Yellow Block. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, chaps. Always a pleasure. No worries. Ryan Hildred from the Blackburn Podcast, Rovers Chat. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. My first ever win on Hateful Eight, so I am buzzing. Is it? Yes. There we go. What a weekend it's been. (laughs) This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Picture the scene. It's 3pm on a Saturday, your team's playing away from home and you can't go. You're sat there wanting to watch your championship side play, but you can't get it on your telly. Well, fear no more, dear listener. Why not try NordVPN? NordVPN lets you access content from over 59 countries just by changing your virtual location. So essentially, your internet will think you're abroad and that means you can get access to the 3pm Saturday games from the comfort of your own living room. It's not just football, you can do it with streaming services as well. For example, I was on Canadian Netflix the other day and was watching the Shawshank Redemption. You can't get that on streaming services here. It's also useful for cybersecurity when you're on the move too. Get your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash second tier or use the code second tier to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free and a bonus gift. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. It costs the same as a cup of coffee each month, so why not give it a go right now?